It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Ah, yeah. Top of the week to everybody. PSBR Law Studios is where KT is. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Wednesdays, of course, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Come on down and see me. One of three locations here in the Vegas Valley. Over $4.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last five years for their clients. Panache, Boyle, Rabaputi, R, PSBR Law. PSBRlaw.com, Southern California for a long time. You're number four now here in the Vegas Valley. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice, the best in personal injury. May not need them now, may need them in the future. Jot the number down. You got the 702 down for Vegas, 830-9353, 830-9353, Great show in store for you, Ed Graney, Las Vegas Review Journal, one of the top writers, sports writers in the world, let alone that we have them right here in the Vegas Valley. We're going to talk some Raiders. Season gets underway on Sunday, Mile High City in Denver. And, uh, you know, some stuff coming across social media that doesn't, you know, feel good as far as Chandler Jones coming out and kind of uh, just a little bit upset with the Raider organization. He couldn't get into the facility, I guess, trying to get in there to work out on Saturday and uh, was locked up, so had to go to a local gym and, voiced his displeasure on on Twitter, now known as X, of course, social media-wise. Uh, find out what's between uh, the Raiders and Chandler Jones and, and this Raider team in general. How will they fare? Let's get the grade at the beginning of the year from Ed Graney, one of the best in the business. Also, we'll touch on UNLV. They go to the Big House, Michigan. They'll be in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh, second of three games suspension-wise, will not be there on the sidelines as head coach. Michigan coming off a nice waxing of East Carolina, but did not cover the spread in that game. UNLV, on the other hand, home opener, take care of Bryant, a win and a cover at Allegiant Stadium. Get into a lot of college football. And then, of course, uh, we've got a lot of other stuff going on throughout the world of sports. But we start things off a little bit different now. SportsX Radio, new time slot, 6 to 8 p.m., and it goes something like this. Now, the starting five. Number one. All right, well, number one is the NFL. Yes, the Shield going to get back in action regular season-wise. Thursday, Kansas City at home defending Super Bowl champions. They have won seven straight openers, taking on my good pal Chris Wynn's Detroit Lions. They have lost four straight openers. So it looks like a mismatch, at least on paper, if you look at it like this. But Travis Kelsey hyperextended the knee in practice today. Doesn't look like any ACL damage, at least initially. But I would wonder if Casey's going to even risk having him in that opener. Now, they've got a couple other decent tight ends, and they'll say next man up, which is what head coach Andy Reid said. We'll find out how that plays off. Meanwhile, as I said, the Silver and Black State, where do they go? They go to the Mile High City, and they have mastered Denver over the last several years. That is the one team that they've been able to beat consistently. Can they keep it going? Sean Payton makes his debut as Denver Broncos head coach in an opening game. You know that place will be rocking over there in the Mile High City. Number two. All right, there's no question. College football is back and back big time. 
Producer Mark Hoke, he's a big college football fan, loves his Penn State Nittany Lions. KT, of course, loves his USC Trojans. But we got plenty to talk about throughout the evening. Now, Ed Graney, as I said, joins us 625. We'll get caught up on baseball 705 with Wayne Krinsky, former general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. But in between that time, we'll talk a lot of NFL. We'll talk a lot more college football. Why? Because week zero was under our belts. Now week one is done as well. And some big-time games, some big-time shockers. Look, I got to hang out with Colorado, Shador Sanders, and this kid Bryant. I mean, the two-way player, Travis Bryant, this kid is phenomenal. They looked the part when they took out TCU. That's just one of several big games, big-time upset there, a 20-and-a-half-point dog, win it straight up Colorado. How about last night? I like the Dukies. Remember I told Krivsky, your alma mater, they got a shot to beat Clemson. Yes, things had to fall the right way, but they got it done. We'll talk a lot of college football tonight. Number three. All right, the FIBA World Cup basketball semifinals will be taking place soon, and the United States will be part of it. Didn't look so good. USA was unbeaten, but got whipped pretty good by Lithuania. Actually, it was that first quarter where they were down 31-12. to They stormed back, made it a close game, but they still lost 110-104. So they had to come up big today against Italy, did they? Well, I don't know, 100-63. to 63, I think they took care of business in a big way. So that was huge. They are actually 17-36 to 36 from three-point land. We'll take that all day, any day. Meanwhile, that same Lithuania team, they got knocked out by Serbia, 87-68. to 68. So Italy was a team that actually beat Serbia on Friday by a deuce. Kind of trying to tie this all together, but there have been upsets big time. Spain is out. They were one of the favorites. They lost to Latvia and then lost an 88-85 decision to Canada. Canada, meanwhile, they'll play Slovenia tomorrow. Germany will play Latvia. But the other two semifinalists we know are going to be the United States and Serbia. So a little bit mixed up, a little bit crazy the way it is. We'll see how things pan out when we get those semifinals set to go in the FIBA World Cup Championships. Number four. All right, to the U.S. Open we go. Back to New York. And it has been an outstanding tournament. And all the favorites not taking care of business. There are some that are still battling. Now, as far as on the men's side, Djokovic, the two seed, no problem today with American Taylor Fritz. Straight set, 6-1-6-4-6-4. A couple Americans going to go at it right now. Who will get to the semis? Will it be Tiafo or will it be Ben Shelton? who's got the fastest serve in the world. Had a couple clocked at 159 the other day in his win against fellow American. Meanwhile, we do know that Daniil Medvedev will take on Andre Rublev, and Alcaraz, the number one seed, will take on Zverev tomorrow. We'll find out who the other two semifinalists will be. So a lot of good stuff on the men's side. On the ladies' side, it is very interesting as well. And Coco Goth. Remember, she was down a set early on in this tournament, but battled back, got a win. Today, the number six seed, Goff, takes out Yelena Ostapenko, six loves, six two. Now, Ostapenko was the one that took out the one seed, Iga Swiatek, from Poland. She's been the one seed for a while, but no longer is the number one because Sabalenka has moved into that number one overall spot. So the Polish princess goes down to Ostapenko. How about Yelena Ostapenko? 4-0 all-time against Swantek. That is pretty impressive. Meanwhile, Muchova right now has just put away Kirstia as far as on the ladies' semis. So she advanced, or in the uh, quarter, she advances to the semis along with Coco Goff. Tomorrow you'll have Jen Quinyan. 
we win against uh, Sabalenka. Forgive me for butchering that one. I'll see if I can get an update on the young Chinese gal. I have not. I have actually watched her, but watched it with no sound, so didn't get a great pronunciation on that one. And then Von Drusseville will take on Madison Keys. How about Madison Keys taking out Jessica Pagula? 6-1-6-3 yesterday beat the fellow American who had actually been 6-0 and in the round of 16. Number five. Number five is bad news for Dodger fans. This does not look good. Pitcher Julio Urias arrested on domestic violence charges. It's not the first time. It's the second time in less than four years. This happened at about 1 a.m. the other night. And in California, domestic violence no longer a felony unless they upgraded to a felony, which they did in this case. Urias bonded out about four hours later on a $50,000 bond, and he has a court date set for September 27th. But he did not travel with the team on this six-game road trip. This is not good for the Dodgers, who just dropped three or four to the Atlanta Braves. They were able to get that Sunday game to avoid being swept. They had gone into the series. If they could win all four, they would have been tied for Atlanta for the best record in the National League. But the Braves, of course, exercising their dominance. And that is a look at the starting five. All right, so we will keep things going. Let's go to the uh, scoreboard here and get you caught up on things that are going on. Again, lots of football talk. Ed Graney will join me in about 10 minutes from now. Baseball getting to where you got to start winning, right? It's September 5th. You got to start taking care of business. You got to make sure that, you know, you're going to be able to come up big if you're going to make the postseason, especially in some of these races for wild card. And you look at the National League, you have four teams that were actually tied the other day for that final playoff spot. Right now, we know some of the teams that are going to be there. We know Atlanta. We know the Dodgers. They're in. Looks like Milwaukee is going to uh, come out of the Central, but there's still plenty of head-to-head games, so don't want to give it to them yet. But Milwaukee, bottom of the ninth, taking out Pittsburgh tonight, doubling up, actually now up 7-3 on the Pirates. They were up 7-0, so it was 7-zip, now 7-3, bottom nine. Uh, Woodruff on the hill, taking care of business for the Brew Crew. 6-3, to three, Miami has just finished off the Dodgers. Lazardo pitching a nice game. They need to start winning, and that is a big step in the right direction by beating the Dodgers. Again, with this earliest cloud hanging over their heads as they head on the road, they'll still have five more road games. Mets all over Washington, 10-3, to three, bottom eight. Mets are always good to win games when they don't count. St. Louis. Nice effort, tripling up on Atlanta on the road. The Braves with Sirocco on the hill. He got racked early. Michael is taking care of business. Top eight, it is St. Louis nine and Atlanta three. Four to three, Cubbies have grabbed the lead from the Giants. They trailed this game three nothing. Kyle Hendricks on the hill against Ryan Walker, but now the Cubbies four unanswered. Top six from Wrigley, four to three. This is a big game, bigger game for the Giants because the Cubs have solidified that second wild card. Philly's got the one, Cubbies got the two, and then there's a gap between those other teams and the Giants. They are in free fall. They need to get this W again up three nothing. Can they battle back and get the win? They trail it now four to three, top six. Colorado and Arizona, it'll be fought for the uh, D-backs against Freeland. For Colorado, that game will start in about a half hour from now. Philly at San Diego, Lorenzen and Avila for the Friars. Disappointing year for San Diego. Philadelphia continues to excel and plays pretty good baseball so far the second half. Minnesota pulled away from Cleveland. Game was tied at three. Sonny Gray got some run support late, eight to three. Minnesota wins. They're just about wrapping up the Central. If they take one more in this series against Cleveland, it's all but over. Tampa Bay clinging to a 5-4 lead at home at the Trop against Boston. Red Sox have battled back from 5-2 down. 
down 5-4, top 7. Keep an eye on that one with Eflin and Crawford, the starting pitchers. Meanwhile, the Yankees playing good ball. They can actually get back to 500 tonight after falling seven games under. 3-1, to one, top 8. Garrett Cole on the hill, continues to pitch well. You had to lay a pretty price tonight, minus 250 on Cole against those Tigers. All White Sox in Kansas City early, up 6 nothing, 6-4 now, bottom 6. Game's already over the total of 9.5. And, and how about Framber Valdez shutting out Texas? Look, it's only the bottom of the 4th. It's 9 nothing. How about Altuve? I think he had two home runs yesterday. He's got three home runs in three at-bats in the first three innings tonight. It is 9 nothing Houston. This is crazy. He has tied a record with, uh, I think, two other players that actually had homered in their first three at-bats in a three-inning span to start a ball game. So we'll see if he can get that fourth one tonight. 9 nothing, all Houston over Texas. Texas, Eovaldi, the starter, he was back, and Texas was looking forward to getting him back there in the pitching rotation. But 9 nothing, Houston in Arlington. Baltimore coming up. The magic continues. They've won three in a row. They continue to dominate in the American League, not just the East, because Tampa Bay is actually hanging with them. I mean, if Baltimore is in any of the other divisions, that includes in there with the Astros and Rangers, especially in the Central. Oh, my God, they, the Twins would be so far back. They wouldn't be able to see the Orioles. They'd be so far back in that rearview mirror. But the O's will be in Anaheim to take on the Angels. That'll be Kramer and Detmers. Kramer minus 186, 8.5 your total. Toronto, got to win all their games. Bassett on the hill against Waldachuk for Oakland. This is where Toronto cannot stumble. Got to take care of of uh, Oakland in quick fashion. Bassett minus 198, your total. 6-3, to three, Seattle now up on Cincinnati. That is top eight. They were up 6-1. Reds get a couple back. But this is a Seattle team playing pretty good ball and a Cincinnati team still trying to find itself. And again, the Reds are right there battling for that final wild card. They just can't get on a run. They can't win three, four, five in a row at all since having that great run early. In the second half, that a look at the baseball scores. Three games in the WNBA, two are final. One game's going right now. Dallas leads New York up on top of the Liberty. Four minutes to go, third quarter, 65-64. New York in that game, minus six and a half, 172 and a half. Other two games final. Connecticut, no problem with LA at home, minus 10 and a half. They win it by 14, 90 to 76. Game sales over the 151 and a half. Hits 166, 90 to 76. And then Chicago jumped all over Indiana. Right there, first quarter. I mean, they were up 20 to 4 when I looked. They end up winning 96 to 69. Total was 164 and a half. How about that? Hits 165, 96 69, the final. And Indiana was actually a one point favorite. One game yet to tip off in Phoenix, Valley of the Sun. It'll be Washington. The Mystics on the road, minus 7, 153 and a half is your total. And that is a look at the scoreboard. We'll keep you updated throughout the evening. Again, Wayne Krivsky will talk some baseball, baseball standings with myself and producer Mark Hoke in the second hour, but Ed Graney's going to join me in a few minutes from now. We're going to talk Raiders. We're going to talk UNLV. Then we'll get into college football, NFL football throughout the evening on a big Monday, baby, right here, live PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas, 101.5 FM Dawn here in Vegas, and of course, streaming worldwide on the Odyssey app. If you haven't downloaded the app, real easy, A-U-D-A-C-Y. They've got a great rewind feature. As soon as the show's over, if you missed any part of the show, you can go right back. They replay it. You have it right there. Same thing with the Mark Hoke Show. Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. My producer, the best there is as far as professional wrestling. His show is phenomenal. He's got tons of followers all over the world. Tune in. But if you miss it, you can go to that Odyssey Rewind feature. It is the Mark Hoke Show. Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. We are both right here. PSBR Law Studios, at least I am tonight. And uh, Tuesday, 
Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then tomorrow night live at Steiner's. Come on down. First two that come down to 1750 North Buffalo tomorrow, come up to my table. I will buy you an appetizer of your choice. Live from Vegas, coming right back on a big Monday. Keep it right here. Some great stuff on a big Monday. A little Cliffs of Dover. Eric Johnson. Love the instrumental guitar. I mean, just great stuff. And a great way to enter one of the best sports writers in the world. Not just in the country. Not just here in our Vegas Valley. Mr. Ed Graney. Always appreciate him. He's been around the Valley for a long time. By the way of San Diego. And uh, EG, great to have you as always. Uh, Love this time of year as we do. College football gets underway. And UNLV off to a good start. And rolled over Bryant, so not a game that we're going to take for granted. They got off to a good start under new coach, Barry Odom, uh, ripped the uh, Bryant squad 44-14, to which is good because we remember that Howard game a few years ago. So we always want to make sure that we take care of business, even though it's somebody most people won't recognize on the schedule. Yeah, Kenny, what's up? Um, uh, uh, happy to be here. Um, listen, uh, they did, and you just said it right, they did – what past UNLV teams have struggled to do, and that was put away an inferior opponent. And, you know, uh, when you win by 30, there's probably stuff, you know, still, even with that uh, margin, you can clean up a little. I know Doug Brumfield said he wanted to play better um, defensively. I thought, you know, they, they uh, you know, might have given up some average yards, but I thought they looked really good on short down situations when they had to make stops. And, again, I, I said before the season, I really like Barry Odom. I think this might be the guy to turn it. You know, we've said that a lot of coaches, a lot of times in UNLV, is this the guy, is this the guy? But I truly believe this might be the guy. And uh, it was a good first game. Uh, I think they got out of it relatively healthy. And, you know, now it's much, much bigger test this week. Um, but uh, they'll go there and, you know, they'll, they'll play hard and we'll have to see what happens. I'm, I'm more interested in Vanderbilt here and at UTEP before they start conference play. I think those are going to be more measuring sticks as to how they, you know, go from week one to week three and four. I think Michigan is, you know, it's Michigan, and, you know, it's obviously a tough task, but I really, really want to see them against Vanderbilt here in a lower-level SEC team and then at UTEP. I think those are really important games for these guys, you know, in the long run to get to six games and six wins and get to a bowl game. No doubt about it, but you want to make sure you stay healthy as well. You're going to the big house. It could be intimidating for some, but, you know, UNLV went there a few years back and actually showed okay, especially second half, really played a nice second half. And so basically a game, if you can shorten the game, know that the clock's not stopping after every first down and use that run game. It worked effectively almost 300 yards on the ground against Bryant, but going against Bryant and then going up against that Michigan defense going to be two different stories. But you've got some quality guys, and Brumfield's a guy that can mix it up and Vincent Davis Jr., he's a kid that can run the ball. Uh, Thomas Lester, Reese is back. So there are some players that are going to need to at least, you know, grind out some first downs and give the Rebs a couple good solid drives so they can stay in the game and psychologically at least uh, get out of it what they want. And that's going up against uh, a team that we would say going up in class, so to speak, but showing that they're not intimidated and they're going to be able to at least hold their own. Yeah, absolutely. I think they had five guys with at least three carries in that go-go offense last week. Now, I don't know as time goes on if that number will shrink and you'll get lesser guys getting, you know, 
a bulk of the carries and you won't have as many guys getting carries. But again, you said it, you know, they had, they had some really, really nice efforts from a lot of guys. And I'm going to be interested as the go-go offense keeps, you know, moving forward with Brumfield, he's got to be more accurate. Um, I think he knows that he said after the game, you know, they left some stuff out there uh, because of his lack of accuracy. And when they get into these Vanderbilt, UTEP's Mountain West conference games, he has the ability, in my opinion, to be, you know, top four or five quarterback in the Mountain West, but he's got to play better than he did the other day. And I think he will. I think the more he's involved in this offense, the more they get used to playing the real game. And, you know, it's the first, I mean, you can, you can go through summer, you can go through, you know, practices and running the offense and it's looking good and everything. But you know as well as anyone, nothing's like it when it's real. So, you know, this could have been, you know, hey, the first time running the offense against real people, people we haven't practiced against every week for the last month and a half. Um, and, you know, you know, this might have just been one of those things where, you know, you got to work out some kinks. And, uh, and, again, they won by 30. It's hard to find fault with anything, but I'm sure there were things that they thought they could clean up, and they'll try to do that this week. There you go. And, of course, at Michigan, like you said, Vandy at home on the 16th of September. Looking forward to that Saturday at UTEP. Dana Dimmo squad uh, off to a uh, sluggish start. But then get Hawaii here at Nevada, Colorado State. Those are three games that are winnable. Go to Fresno State. We know Tedford, a veteran coach, and uh, taking care of business on the road at Purdue was a nice start there for the Mountain West. At New Mexico, winnable game. Wyoming, we know that defense pretty darn good. And they also get a nice win at home over the weekend. Then at Air Force and close with San Jose State. What is Ed Graney's preseason prediction as far as UNLV? Do they make a bowl game? Oh, I think they do. I think I put them at six and six. Um, it might even be better than that. I wouldn't be shocked if it's better. They look. You just named off the Mountain West schedule. They avoid Boise. Uh, they avoid San Diego State. Although I've watched both Aztec games this year, and I'm not so sure that's that big a deal this year. I think the Aztecs are down uh, after I've seen them last week. So I think the Rebels, you know, that's not as big a deal. But you do avoid Boise. Um, you get some tough ones at Air Force. I think Air Force is very good. You mentioned Wyoming. Fresno is going to be tough. But those three games after the non-conference, I mean, you know, you go two and two at worst in non-conference, and I think they have a chance to go three and one. I think the Vandy game is the one that's really going to be interesting. Uh, then you get three winnable Mountain West games. You could be in that five range pretty quick. So I, I do think you'll go to a bowl this year. Um, I think they're good enough to go to a bowl this year. I, like I said, I think I put them at six and six, but – if you're telling me they're going to finish seven and five, I wouldn't fall over. And and look, you have to prove it, right? You know, if they five and seven, maybe it wouldn't surprise people because you know this has not been a program that has gone to bowls. The last bowl um, I was at uh, covering was the Heart of Dallas Bowl with Bobby Houck, um, and they have not. This is not a bowl team ever, you know, for 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 very many years. But I do think that this team has has it in them to go to a bowl. And I'll I'll tell you this: I will be surprised if they're not bowling. Yeah, I agree with you, especially if we can get a defensive effort like Hawaii put up in Nashville in that second half against Vanderbilt, only lost that game by a touchdown. That kind of gave me a little bit of insight there. I know there was a rain delay and all that good stuff, but Vandy was the home team, and Hawaii hung right in there and only lost that game 35-28. All right, let's jump over to the uh, Silver and Black State, the boys in Silver and Black, the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, offense coordinator Mick Lombardi, Patrick Graham, your defense coordinator Tom McMahon, your new special teams guy. They're going to open in Denver, but Chandler Jones couldn't get into the facility. I saw Paul Gutierrez actually write that. Uh, he was ripping on the Raiders brass. He pulled that tweet down there on X, but nonetheless, he uh, was not happy when he tried to get over there just to work out, I guess, on Saturday morning. And, you know, I, I guess I can 
you know, relate, you know, you go there, you're like, hey, this is my, my home turf. I should be able to get in here. But I guess he was a little disgruntled. What about this Raiders team going forward? And what's the skinny on that Chandler Jones quote? Well, he went, he went on and did a long story on Instagram. And, it, you know, it was, he said a lot of things about the Raiders, how displeased he was. Uh, and there were other things in there besides not getting the facility, um, how they had called a uh, mother of his child at one point, and they're not together anymore. He was not happy with that. In these situations, um, and I think you're the same way here, I don't even want to guess. Uh, you start guessing, you start throwing things out there, it's usually unfair, and it's usually nine times out of ten wrong. I don't know what happened here. You know, he was on X uh, the previous day before the Instagram story saying how happy he was, how excited he was for the season, he was ready to go, and now this happens. So I don't know if it was simply not getting to the facility, if things had, you know, grown and grown, or if this was something bigger. I, I have no idea. Um, you just hope that they can get it settled internally and they can move forward from it because they're about to start an important season in Josh McDaniel's second season with Dave Ziegler. Uh, and you don't want stuff like this kind of hanging over you the first week, in, especially a division game, as you're going to Denver. So what happened there, I have no clue. I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, you, you, know uh, you know this, they keep things very close to the vest out there. I would be surprised if there's any quotes about this uh, that are deep other than, We've handled it internally or, you know, we've talked about it and it's over. Um, that's what I'm expecting. Maybe I'll be wrong and proven wrong in the next few days, but I'm kind of expecting them to go that way. That's usually the way it goes um, over there. So, uh, again, I don't even want to guess where his mind was or why he, why he did the Instagram story and then, and then took it down. Uh, but you're right. It's, a, it's an important game. Um, they've beaten this team six straight times. They're opening with an AFC West game, which I think makes it a little more important. Uh, and – I think they believe when everyone's healthy this year, I think they're, you know, they believe they're better than the 6-11 and 11 team we saw to end last year. SportsX Radio, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8, our new time slot here, 6 to 8 p.m. And, of course, Ed Graney, who's been doing great job, uh, great job here at the Las Vegas Review Journal for years. Like I said, by the way, of San Diego, that's why he paid attention to those Aztecs. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders opener in Denver and Professor Graney is a guy that uh, always grades the Raiders top to bottom. Everybody, coaching staff, positionally, uh, does that at the end of the year and even maybe a midterm grade. What about preseason grade going into the season? What kind of grade are you giving this team in the tough AFC West? We know that it's Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions. We know the Chargers went out, gave Herbert that big contract added to the receiving core with the youngster out of TCU. And we know that Denver's got Peyton there in his first year who thinks he can fix Russell Wilson. I'm not sold that can happen, but Jared Stidham's a pretty adequate backup that could be a starter for a bunch of teams in this league. And I think we saw that the last two games of the regular season for the Raiders. Going into this season, Professor Graney, what kind of grade are you giving the Raiders? What do you expect from this team? I mean, I just have to go off what I've seen in the preseason and the preseason was a pretty, pretty high grade to me. I didn't know what you thought. Um, you know, we didn't see much of Garoppolo. We didn't see much of a lot of the guys we'll see on Sunday, but I like what I saw defensively. Um, they had guys creating turnovers. They've really got to create more turnovers to be a better defense. And, you know, I think with Marcus Peters and people like that now, uh, you've got a chance to do more of that, which they're going to have to do if they're going to be any good. Um, I think their wide receiver room is one of the best in the league. I think it's a it's a big year as a rookie for Michael Mayer and what he's going to bring to that team. Um, you know, he, he's list, the depth chart came out today. He's listed, uh, obviously, he's the two, but I think he's going to get a lot of looks. Um, Hunter Renfro, you know, can he come back from the injuries? Uh, speaking of Chandler Jones and what happened today, um, 
you know, what kind of years he's going to have. He came on at the end of the year before getting hurt last year and started to maybe look like the guy they signed to a three-year contract. Uh, he's going to have to do more of that this year. So I thought they looked good in preseason, uh, although Josh tends to win a lot in the preseason. Um, you know, they did again this year. I was really, really excited to see Aiden O'Connell and how he played. Um, now, granted, it was not against, you know, if we want to say real defenses, it was mostly vanilla stuff, and, you know, people don't show a lot during the end. So a lot of, the, I think a lot of his success had to do with that, but I liked how he stepped up and, you know, uh, took charge of things when he was in there. Um, I wrote that uh, I thought he should be the backup. Uh, they listed Hoyer number two today. That does not surprise me um, because, you know, obviously you have a veteran there of 15 years, and I think coaches, uh, especially if it was a one-game thing, if it was a one-off where Garoppolo went down in the middle of the game, you're going to go with the veteran right away, and then maybe if it's a longer-term thing, you go back and you discuss things in terms of who you want to be the quarterback. Um, but I thought they had a good preseason. Um, I would pick them right there with Denver. I think the other two kind of separate themselves. And I put them right there at Denver. I do think Peyton can do something for Russell Wilson. I mean, Peyton um, has shown with, I think, lesser quarterbacks. Uh, he gets various amounts of success with them. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I'll, that's another fascinating thing I'm going to be interested in watching is the Russell Wilson experiment with Sean Peyton. I think everybody really wants to see that and see how much he can fix them. And maybe it's not a full fix, but maybe it's to a level where he's not, you know, he's not losing games for them. And we understand why running backs are sitting out and holding out because they see their salaries, yearly salaries, just dwindle. And so it looked like they had a pretty good setup there where Saquon Barkley gets this, you know, Zoom call going, hey, let's all work together. And next thing you know, two days later, Saquon Barkley's already signed, only getting a million more than the Giants had initially offered him. And we didn't know about Josh Jacobs. We knew how solid he was last year, but we weren't sure if we'd be starting this season with Josh Jacobs. Now, he does end his holdout the day before their final preseason game against Dallas, but did not play in that game and did not really get anything in practice-wise. What can we expect from Josh Jacobs? Again, he's a young guy. He's got a couple seasons under his belt. At the end of the day, it's a lot different working out by yourself than going up against competition. Yeah, and that's going to be, I think that's going to be the gauge as to how much work he gets Sunday. Um, you know, they'll practice, they'll come back to practice tomorrow uh, and Thursday, and I think they'll gauge, like, really what football shape he's in. I'm sure he's in good shape, you know, cardiovascular and all that, and I'm sure he continued to work out. He said he had a plan. He told us during his one media um, availability with us last week that he had a workout plan. He stuck to it, worked out with, you know, back at home with kids in the high school, and, you know, but that's not that's not the NFL, so... I think they'll bring him, you know, they'll bring him back to practice tomorrow and the next day. They'll see where he's at, and then they'll make a decision on how much he can go Sunday. Um, but I think he'll be back in the fold pretty fast. I mean, McDaniel said, you know, it's not time to reinvent the wheel here uh, when he was talking about Josh Jacobs. Um, given what he did last year, led the league in touches and yards, yards for scrimmage. Um, I think they, you know, they're going to ride him again. I just, I think that that's what it's going to come down to. Um, I think Garoppolo, you know, obviously you've heard the stories about, you know, him and McDaniels now, you know, how a lot closer obviously than Derek was to him and he knows the system and that's why they think he's going to be really good with those receivers. But you, you're right. It comes down to running the football. And I think they think that having Jacobs, a guy who's still fairly healthy and, you know, hasn't hit that wall that a lot of running backs hit. Finishing up with Ed Graney. Ed, just a couple players on defense. I just want to get your take. Tyree Wilson missed some of camp early on. Number one pick, number seven overall out of Texas Tech. We know this kid, when he's healthy, 
could really help solidify a pass rush, take some pressure off Max Crosby. Chandler Jones going to be a guy that kind of takes him under his wing and uh, maybe teaches him a couple of those veteran-type tricks. What about Tyree Wilson? What's your take and what's the ceiling for this young man? I think the ceiling's as high as he wants to go. You know, we saw him in a couple snaps against Dallas, one where he just, you know, took – took the tackle and pushed him right back into, you know, into, um, into the quarterback where he saw some pretty good explosiveness, but it was, you know, it was one or two snaps. You couldn't get a read on it, but uh, look, they drafted him where they drafted him for a reason. So he's got to play and he's, you know, he's got to produce. Um, when you get drafted that higher, those are the expectations on you. And you hope if this Chandler Jones stuff from today gets worked out and he's there on Sunday working, you're exactly right. I think there's a guy who, I mean, what's he got 112 sacks in his career. I mean, you'd think that, a guy like that would take him under his wing and, uh, like you said, teach him a lot of stuff, teach him how to be professional, teach him how to uh, play every Sunday and play every snap. You also got, you know, a star at the other end of Max Crosby who can do a lot of that helping. But I think the, you know, the, the ceiling is huge on him, and, and he's got to reach the ceiling as a rookie. Um, that's a high draft pick to spend on a guy who's, you know, who's you, you, don't, you don't really know yet exactly what you're going to get because he's been hurt so long. But um, I think he's he's got to perform, and I think there's a good chance he will if he stays healthy. And then, of course, you can find somebody that's hungry that maybe you didn't think had a shot to start, maybe not even make the squad. This kid, we figured he would make the squad, but didn't expect him to start. And talking about Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, this kid right up the ladder, I mean, continued to jump over other defensive secondary players and looks like he's going to be pretty good as far as in the Raiders' eyes. What have you seen from Bennett that helped him solidify a starting position? Well, he's got to – I mean, he's he's had a great – he had a great camp. Uh, he came in, and I don't think anything phased him much right away. I think that helped him a lot. Uh, he, 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 he started right from the get-go in terms of competing for that spot, um, you know, unlike a lot of rookies that need time. Um, I think, again, he's surrounded by people like Nate Hobbs, surrounded by people like Marcus Peters who are going to help him learn how to be a pro, uh, realizing that that's a position where, where as a rookie you're going to see a lot of ups, a lot of downs. I mean, you know that position. It's, you know, one of, if not the hardest other than quarterback to play in that league because um, you're going to have failure. And how will you deal with that? And that's why I think a guy like Peters and even to a certain degree, a degree, a guy like Hobbs can help him through those times because you know they're going to be there. Um, but he, I think he earned the spot. I mean, I, I think on the depth chart today, Nate was maybe listed ahead of him, but I think Jacorin's going to play a ton. Um, when the depth chart came out today, but I think he's going to play a ton, and uh, I think they think he they have a good one in him. And and they look, they need to be better at that spot. They need to be better defensively, and it kind of starts on the back end. You know, I think they think they're pretty good up front, but it starts you know on the second level there, and those guys have to be good on the outside. So uh, he's going to get a lot of looks to you know to prove he's you know more than just a rookie. Give me your record, Ed Graney. You're pretty good on this stuff uh, preseason middle of season you're on top of all this stuff I'm, I'm wondering where you have it because we've seen that win total according to the experts here in vegas dwindle from eight and a half the last couple of years to six and a half what's your feeling yeah. on this raiders team how many wins they get well i'm i'm on record in the paper i believe tomorrow in our special section at eight and nine um i i think they'll flirt with it i don't think they'll make the playoffs i think they'll finish eight and nine and uh i tried to go through each game and come up with a reason win or loss some tongue-in-cheek, some somewhat seriously, as I like to do every once in a while. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to – I got to stick with it now. It's going to be in print, so I'm going to stick with eight and nine, and I think they'll uh, flirt a little. I think they're going to be really good offensively, but the big question is can they stop anybody and who can they stop? So 
If they can do that, I think they'll be in a lot of games because, you know, and Garoppolo's got to stay healthy, obviously. But And that's a big if. But if he can stay healthy and, you know, now they have Jacobs back in the fold, I think the offensive line, you know, is, is solid. They are, you know, a really good uh, run offensive line last year. Let's, you know, they got to be a little better in pass protection, especially with who they're protecting now. But uh, I'll stay with eight and nine, Kenny, and we'll see what happens. There you go. All right. My wife's been a teacher for better than 20 years. I grade her on her curves. Uh, however, with Mr. Uh, Professor Graney, he's not uh, curving anything. He's going to give it to you the way he sees it. Eight and nine is his prediction, which will get you well over that six and a half. So go ahead, take a shot there. You'll be happy you did. SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK Dawn. Come back and wrap up our number one. Download that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. We're worldwide. We're live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. I'll come right back at you. Gary Wright coming back, and uh, sad to report that Gary Wright has passed away. My wife, Christina, of course, big music person, uh, has been teaching music for the last 25 years and knows all those different genres and whatnot. But Gary Wright, that song, Love is Alive, was one that she picked out for our wedding. And uh, she texted me and said, make sure Mark Hoke gets that on as he spins the hits here on a Tuesday night. It is uh, Fat Tuesday, always at SportsX Radio on Tuesday nights, tomorrow night live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Thursday, Friday, great shows. Thursday, of course, uh, instead of the Friday, well, we still have the Friday football fiasco, but it's a little bit different. Brad Powers has shifted now to Thursday nights, so he'll go over all the college football games with me after the starting five in that first segment. And then Wednesday nights, tomorrow night's great night, where you get Mark Lawrence uh, for a couple segments. And then we get Andy Isco, a couple segments there, hour number two. And then we finish it off with Arthur DeCesar, my good pal, Art Dice 21, supervisor, Westgate Superbook. So a lot of football nonstop on Wednesdays, Thursday as well. We've got the opening NFL game. Looking forward to that. But Brad Powers will be with me. Uh, We'll be talking a ton of college football for the weekend. And uh, Brad Powers Sports does a great job. And uh, we bumped heads on a couple games this past week. And I was uh, on it last night, had Clemson. Uh, losing. Well, I actually thought they wouldn't cover, but I, I expected Duke to be right there. I didn't expect Duke to win the game, so I was pleasantly surprised that they were able to hold their own in the first half and then come away with the victory. I did tell Wayne Krivsky, and uh, Kriv will join us at the top of hour number two. That's his alma mater, Duke. I said, they've got a shot. They can do it. When, you, when do you want to play Clemson? You want to play them that first game of the season at home and give yourself an opportunity before they really get rolling. And I think they may have really bought into Cade Klubnick thinking that he may be a little bit better than he is. Look, the kid's still got talent. It's only one game of the season. I get it. You know, we all look at games after one week or, you know, even two games and say we've got the whole season figured out. Not the case. But, you know, bringing my producer, Mark Hoke. Mark, what I did like about Colorado going into this season with Coach Prime, and, of course, I got to meet uh, Travis Hunter, the young man that goes both ways, plays offense and defense there for the Buffs, and also Shador Sanders, Dion's kid. I mean, when I saw Shador, and I'm standing next to him, I'm like, my goodness, this kid, not only does he have solid speed, but he's got size. He is a big guy, and he was very confident, not cocky like his dad. His dad was cocky and confident, and he backed it up. But Shador, 
even though his dad is prime, he's still, you know, a little bit more reserved and not braggadocious, just wants to let his stats kind of do the, uh, uh, the talking for him. I was very impressed in the game they played with TCU. Of course, TCU making it to the national championship game last year. Lost a bunch of those guys, but still several uh, key cogs there for Sonny Dykes. And the game, you know, there in Texas, I was very, very impressed with the way that Colorado got after it and took care of business, ending up winning that high-scoring game 45-42. Your take. Yeah, I, but I, I will say this. I think everybody better put the brakes on here a little bit because – I, I think Colorado was underestimated, and I think TCU is overestimated. And TCU lost so many guys off that team from last year, and, and it, you know it was a magical run. It's one of those teams that you just you, know, you didn't expect was going to be there. They just played great. They won a ton of close games, and when you lose a lot of key personnel, you know they they had them in the top twenty five, and you know out of respect, I think, but you know they they might not be a top 25 team and and certainly Colorado with with all the guys that uh, Dion brought in well really improved so it was a you know it's kind of one of those things where you know right place right time but we'll see if Colorado can keep that up all right we'll see what happens this week they'll be at home in Boulder for the home opener that'll be a lot of fun cuz we know Nebraska travels well but i think it's going to be a pretty tough ticket for all Mr. Husker fan to get in there to Boulder because that place chomping at the bit in the home opener, I actually like them. I think uh, it's going to take a little bit of time before the odds makers catch up to this Colorado team. I'm not just basing it on that TCU game. I like this team as far as some of the key components, including a guy like Travis Hunter prior to the season. But again, they've got a tough schedule. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they do have to go to Oregon. They get USC at home at the end of this month. If they win this game against Nebraska, there's a chance they can be unbeaten going into that game against Southern Cal and you can bet that ticket would really be a tough one with Caleb Williams, the former uh, Heisman Trophy winner, trying to make it two years in a row, leading Lincoln Riley's SC Trojans into Boulder. That will be interesting. TCU Chandler Morris started that game, had a couple interceptions. That was key because Shador Sanders, he kept a clean sheet, threw for 510 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Wilkerson on the ground had 45 and a touchdown, but they didn't run for much. They ran for 55 yards, but when you throw it for 510, you don't have to run for much. Receiving-wise, Travis Hunter, the two-way player, 11 receptions, 119 yards. It was Dylan Edwards, though, that had five receptions for 135 and three touchdowns, including a 75-yarder. On the defensive side of the ball, Hunter as well got one of those two Colorado interceptions in that 45-42 victory over TCU. So pretty impressive start to the uh, prime Sanders era as head coach there, Boulder, Colorado, for those Colorado Buffaloes. We'll come back. We'll talk some more college football in hour number two, get into the NFL schedule as well. Again, concern, Travis Kelsey hyperextending the knee in practice today. Looks like no ACL injury, but uh, hyper hyperextension. He was limping off and did not continue practice. There is a chance that he will miss Thursday's game. I'm sure we'll have an update tomorrow. But Andy Reid said, next man up. That's our motto here in Kansas City. I get that, but they're already without Chris Jones, their fine defensive tackle, 
and uh, you take away Kelsey, you take away Chris Jones, I give Detroit a chance to hang right in there if they can get off to a good start. Talk a lot of football in our number two, but we'll start it with baseball with one of the best in the business, our good pal Wayne Krivsky, former general manager for those Cincinnati Reds. He will join us. We'll talk about those Reds. We'll talk about Texas and Houston, what a night Altuve's having. We'll get you updated there as well. SportsX Radio 101.5 on that FM side, and of course, streaming live on the Odyssey app. Use the Rewind feature or follow at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio, and you could get the breakdown right there pinned to both those handles. Hour number one in the books coming right back. You're listening to SportsX Radio live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT back, PSBR Law Studios, hour number two, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM, Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app, PSBR Law, the best in personal injury, strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice, and catch up on a little baseball. The Astros still at it, 12-1, to 1, they lead at Texas, top seven, Altuve, three solo home runs in three at-bats in the first three innings. He's gone 0 for 2 since then, trying to get that fourth home run in a game, which is a milestone. Four players, only several have done it, and uh, we'll see if we uh, can't get that. They're batting right now, top seven, 12 to one, all Houston in a battle of Texas. And we welcome in Wayne Krivsky, Wayne, former general manager, Cincinnati Reds, and of course, better than four decades in the big leagues. And, you know, the one team that he worked for more than any, those Texas Rangers. But before we even get to Major League Baseball, Wayne Krivsky is a graduate of Duke. And I told him a few weeks back, hey, you get Clemson first game in Durham. And he's like, yeah, KT, but I'm going to go back. We're playing Notre Dame. I'm going to go back and, and uh, hang out on campus and go to that game. And I'm like, really? Gosh, how are you going to miss this game? This is a chance. You got a chance to knock off Clemson. Lo and behold, they pull it off last night. 27-7 was unbelievable the way they hung in there and, and uh, then finally got a couple Things to cash in in the end zone in the second half. And Riley Leonard, their veteran quarterback, coming up big. And Mike Elko, he said, I'm going to turn this into a school where they don't say it's a basketball school or it's only a basketball school. Now, Duke will always be known for the hardwood and what Coach K implemented there. But at the end of the day, it's great to see on the gridiron the Dukies get after it. Wayne, I have to tell you, man, I mean, I was watching that game, and I kept thinking about Krivsky. I'm going, here's a guy that's paid his dues, probably still supports the school, and is watching something where he's saying, wow, maybe this is a little faster than I thought this guy Elko could repair this football program. But what a job, because you had Cutcliffe there for a long time, and he was always respectable and had some good solid quarterbacks, some good talent coming out of there, Daniel Jones, some other good players coming out, but... In a, in a year and a game, this Mike Elko, boy, he's got people believing now. 
Yeah, Ken, that was fun to watch last night, and uh, Coach Elko's done a hell of a job, as you just said. Uh, I heard something last night that I, I, it was amazing with the, the days of uh, the, the portal and NIL and so forth. Duke did, has a bunch of extra guys coming back for a fifth year that didn't want to leave to go to a more prominent football school, and he kept them all, and they, they're kind of on a mission. They, they won nine games last year, and – there's a lot of belief in that locker room. It was exciting to watch last night, and uh, uh, I don't. Clemson wasn't very impressive, but I think Duke has a little something to do with that too. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is fun to watch this team, and you know what? All of a sudden, we look at Duke. Are they going to be a player for the ACC? We know that Florida State got off to a really good start, got the season rolling with a win over number five LSU in a game that was much closer than the final score, 41-24, and that they were 45-24. I think people look at that final score, if they didn't watch the game, they're like, oh, Florida State took care of business big time. It was on a neutral field in Orlando, but that game was tied late third quarter, and there were several plays that could have gone either way and some key turnovers and uh, some drop balls that could have been big plays uh, different times in that game. In fact, uh, the kid Lacey dropped one that would have been a big play when the game was tied at 17, could have set – LSU up probably inside the red zone, but he dropped that on a third down. So you have to watch the games and, and uh, you know, to get the true feeling on what's actually going on on the gridiron. Now I'll get into all this stuff with Brad Powers on Thursday with Mark Lawrence and Andy Isco on Wednesday. And, of course, the Friday football fiasco, Megalox. Uh, Chris Warinski will join me, as well as Jonathan Sasowski. So a lot of college football experts on the show. NFL starting up, as we said, on Thursday from Kansas City. And again, concern now for the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey hyperextending that knee. Do not know. And I, I'm just saying reserve-wise, because it's a 17-game season, I'll be surprised if Travis Kelsey goes on Thursday. Right now, I'm making that statement there. So I'll be, uh, in fact, I'll rather, uh, I'll be shocked. Anytime somebody of that caliber, why would you even risk him in that opening game? I know Detroit's a, uh, a good, solid squad the way they closed out last year, but you're not going to risk it. All right, Crib, 14 to 1 now, middle of the seventh inning, and Altuve uh, not coming back up yet. So hopefully in the eighth or ninth, he gets another shot to get that fourth home run. You have both these teams in our contest, Houston and Texas. And Texas looking forward to getting Ivaldi back on the hill. He lasts an inning and a third, four runs, five hits, walked a batter, gave up two home runs, short night work. Dunning came in, and my goodness, I know you got to soak up some innings, but this is absolutely ridiculous, this line. This, so this guy's ERA after the line from tonight is at 3.88. So that's still, that's a good solid ERA, especially in the American League. Tonight he has given up nine runs, all earned, 11 hits, and two walks. He struck out four, gave up three home runs. In five and a third, you give up nine runs, all earned. That is not good for the ERA. Sometimes, you know, you look at your manager and you're like, gosh, dang it, can you get me out of here? And then, of course, nowadays with the guys in the bull, oh, no, we used so-and-so three days ago. His arm is taxed. I, I don't know. You know, Mike Marshall's got to watch this stuff and just go, are, are you kidding me? I mean, I don't get it how you leave somebody in there that long. I get it. Maybe you're conceding the game and you want uh, this guy to soak up as many innings as possible. But sometimes you look at that. And if I'm one of my, you know, if I'm there with my kid and I'm in Arlington and this is his first baseball game and I've taken him to – and it's 14-1, to 1, the team's getting waxed in the seventh inning, kid may never want to go back to another baseball game. 
<laughs> well, let's hope not. But that's uh, the the Rangers are a mess right now. That bullpen of theirs has really been taxed. Uh, Dunning was backing up Evaldi tonight, and you never know when a guy's been hurt, Ken, like Evaldi has when he's been out so long. Uh, a lot of these veteran guys, they don't want to spend much time rehabbing and getting getting really built back up again. I don't know the situation with Evaldi, so I shouldn't say, but uh, you really, from a betting standpoint, I, I, it's a go-against situation. I, I would not go with a pitcher in a case like this coming his first start back. Uh, sometimes it works out, but I would say more times than not, they struggle. And the Rangers' bullpen I, 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 has been used like 14 or 15 innings the last three games. And that they're just really – they've got to get a good start out of somebody. Maybe it's tomorrow with Scherzer. Maybe he can give them six or seven and kind of settle things down. But you can just see Bruce Bochy is always very stoic in the dugout, but he is really – his body language the last couple nights, uh, very uncharacteristic of him to show his frustration. And the Rangers got to get this thing turned around in a hurry. They're on – this will be 14 out of 18 games they've lost. And uh, they they've got to they've got to write this thing really quickly. And uh, tonight wasn't the night, that's for sure. All right. So we go around the divisions. We start in the AL East, and of course, my two teams in the contest: Baltimore Orioles, eighty-six and fifty-one; Tampa Bay Rays, eighty-three and fifty-five. Three and a half games back, but four back in the loss column. So Baltimore taking care of business with three straight wins. They're idle tonight, but. Nonetheless, when you get three straight wins over the weekend, I'm going to give carte blanche to uh, Mark Hoke to play that Oriole Magic song. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Ken. Oh, did they? Okay. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. They're they're starting. But since we're not going to be able to get that game in because it's a later start, that's right. We're going to go with the Magic theme. He deserves it. Uh, Had to go three days without it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, got to continue to. I mean, this team is just playing ridiculous baseball. Tampa Bay holding their own, but. It's becoming more and more evident that Baltimore is probably going to be able to hold on in the AL East. Now, still 25 games to go, but they have a good chance to hit that century mark and uh, at least get 100 wins. Where are you as far as Baltimore right now? Because they've moved forward right now without Felix Batista, their closer, and they don't look like they're skipping a beat. No, they don't. Cano stepped right in, and uh, They've got a little bit of a soft spot here in their schedule. They're taking advantage of it uh, against the Angels here. I, Tampa Bay, I just don't think they have the pitching to, to catch them. Uh, they've been decimated by injuries. Uh, Adam Savali was a nice pickup from Cleveland there at the trading deadline. He's given them some innings. Glass now has been good for the most part. Uh, but they've really gone through some arms there, too. I don't know if they have enough to catch Baltimore. I think they'll be content being the number one wild card and uh, playing the sixth seed, whoever that might be, uh, Boston, Toronto, or I guess could be Texas too. Uh, so we'll see on that. I, I really like what the Orioles have done. Uh, I thought the Batista injury would really be a negative, but so far they weathered it. They'd like certainly like to to have them. I think D.L. Hall, a left-hander they called up, can help out in the back end there and and uh, Brandon Hyde is the manager there. He's done an excellent job. I think he's got to be manager of the year, the way he's handled things there. And it's just a great story and a lot of good developments going on there, a lot of good drafting in Baltimore. They've done it the right way, and i, I got to tip my cap to them. They're, gonna be, they're not going to be fun to play in the, in the playoffs, but I do think they're starting pitching and 
and their bullpen is going to be a little suspect come playoff time. Yeah, Minnesota just about wrapping things up. I know it's early September, but seven-game lead there in the AL Central over the Guardians and taking care of business head-to-head. Astros, Mariners start the night uh, within a half game, and again, the Astros up 14-1, to so they'll go up by a game. Seattle in action as well, and they were leading in their game. Texas getting thumped, so they'll fall further back. Uh, they were all even in the loss column going into tonight. What's your feeling there? You still feel like Houston's the team with the experience that should get through the AL West, but uh, you see Texas really floundering. You're just wondering, is Texas going to be able to hold on and edge out Toronto right now, those two teams within a half game going into this evening? Yeah, with with the Texas likely loss, they'll they'll be tied there in the loss column. I, I think Toronto plays later tonight. Uh, I believe they're still in Oakland, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, – yeah, Texas and Toronto, it's good. I think it's going to be a dogfight there. I think Toronto's got the easier of the schedule. Um, and Houston, with their experience, I, I, uh, I still like Seattle. I love Seattle starting pitching. I think being in the playoffs last year was good for those guys. Julio Rodriguez uh, is just – he's just leading that team like no other young player I can remember, in a, maybe since Bryce Harper, I guess, but – uh, did they hang on, Ken, to win that game tonight? Did they beat Cincinnati? I didn't see the final. I saw it was six yeah. three. No, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati came back and beat them seven to six. Is that right? Wow. Yep. That just that I just popped up a final. Wow. Yeah. How about Tampa and Boston? That was a tight game too. That game is five 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 to five. Bottom ten. Tampa batting, trying to get the win. Okay. And we'll keep an eye there. Still 14-1, to Houston over Texas. Baltimore is drawn first blood in Anaheim. Lead the Angels 1-0, still batting top three. And no score, top three, Toronto and Oakland with Bassett and Waldachuk. Again, this is a game Toronto needs to win to take advantage of Texas getting pounded by Houston. Let me jump over to that National League wild card, that last spot. You had four teams literally tied uh, the other day. Cincinnati getting a nice win. They're one of those teams. Uh, Miami, the Marlins, they got a nice win against the Dodgers tonight. They were one of those teams. But San Francisco, they had a 3 nothing lead, trailed at 6-3, tied it at 6, and now trail 10-6, top of the eighth against the Cubs. This Giants team is really on life support. Yeah, they are. They're not hitting at all here lately. And uh, uh, their their rotation's kind of been a mix-and-match mix situation after after Logan Webb and, and – uh, you know they really uh, there's there's not a star on that team. They got a lot of parts. A lot of platooning is done by Gabe Kapler there. Uh, I kind of like the Marlins a little bit here, but boy, the Reds. That's a huge win for them tonight. They scored. They got, must have scored four runs in the eighth and ninth to win that thing. So I tip my cap to them. They started a rookie tonight. I think he struggled his first major league game. Connor Phillips. I don't know too much about him. I know he's highly touted and has a has a real good fastball. But I'd love to see the Reds get in there somehow. I still have friends over there in Cincinnati, and I love the fans. And I, I would I would really like to see the Reds somehow sneak in there. There you go. So the Reds did. They got three in the bottom half of the eighth inning to tie things up. Uh, it was a Martini home run, a three-run jack with Marte and Stevenson on. Wow. And then in the, in the bottom of the ninth, and Carson Owen, and Carnacion Strand got that single to right that scored Dela wow. Cruz, who had actually reached on an infield single and stole second, and they get the win against Munoz for Seattle and win it by a score of seven to six. 
wow, Munoz has really done a nice job after Seawald was traded at the deadline, and he, he throws hard for the Reds to beat him. Uh, he's been tough since he got into that role. What a great win for the Reds. That young team is – these games, Ken, are so valuable to a young player's development just to beat the race, whether they get in or not, and they got a hell of a chance to get in. But these games in September are so valuable to young players and their development. It, it's a great story, and, man, that, I, I they were down 6-1 to one in that game. Julio Rodriguez had hit a couple home runs, and uh, I uh, – I didn't think they had a chance to come back, but they, they proved me wrong there. Good for them. Yeah, Happy that for be, them. That could be one of those wins that just ignites uh, the team. They have a half-game lead now for that final wild card over both Miami and Arizona, who will be in action. Uh, San Francisco losing right now and looking like they're only going to be one game over five hundred when it's all said and done tonight. Uh, Baltimore has tacked on another run and now lead 2 to nothing in Anaheim. Again, that game early on. That game is actually in the top half of the third inning with the O's still batting. Still no score, Toronto and Oakland. But, yes, a big comeback win for the Reds. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, yeah, down 6-3 to three, did not look good. But they find a way to get it done. Real quick, uh, Criv, before I let you go, the situation with Dodgers pitcher Julio Urias arrested on those domestic violence charges. And, you know, I mean, it's a misdemeanor. They've downgraded that in California unless they can prove that it is a felony. This is his second domestic violence in the past four years. And uh, this one, they arrested him and they charged him with a felony. He was released on $50,000 bond. And uh, so he's got a date uh, in court, September 27th. He did not travel with the team to Miami on this road trip. As general manager, what do you do in a situation like this when the guy's court case isn't going to happen till three days before the end of the regular season and he's already got a prior? Is this something where, you know, you've got to stand behind your guy innocent till proven guilty? Or do you look at the evidence, uh, the police report, and kind of make a decision as a team? It's really out of your hands, Ken. It's in the hands of the authorities and the MLB's investigation. They're, they'll do an investigation as well. It's really out of your hands. There's nothing much you can do about it. Uh, obviously, it hurts the team. Uh, he's, But on the other hand, he's sounds like there's an issue here with a repeat offender. There's something going on here where this young man might need counseling or even more than that, but he's putting his he's putting his career in jeopardy with this happening, and and uh, you know there's not much as a gentleman there's not much you can do. It's it's uh, you you got to hope somebody else steps up, but you're you're concerned about the kid's future too. But he's he's the one that made these choices if they in fact are true, and he's he's going to have to live with the consequences. There you go. All right, I will get one pick from Wayne Krivsky before I let him out of here, but Kriv. You are somebody that has used the facility that we have in our backyard, the Preventative Diagnostic Center under Dr. John Pierce. And, folks, if you fall demographically between the ages of 40 and 72, we've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. I mean, that is huge. Heart disease, number one killer in America, year in, year out. You can get a heart scan. You can get a lung scan. Lung cancer is the leading form of terminal cancer. 
and you want to get a jump on any of this stuff. And that's why you're fortunate that we do have the Preventative Diagnostic Center right here in our backyard. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you. Set up that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you. 702, you got down for the area code. 534 534-7900. 534-7900. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. Heart CT scan and calcium score special. $125 for a $600 value. Your significant other, absolutely free. So a $1,200 value, a total of $125. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. You've got to be proactive. Call the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900, pdcenterlv.com, pdcenterlv.com. That goes for you folks coming in to visit as well. Set it up around your trip. Make it worthwhile and get information that could help prolong your life. All right, Houston and Texas tomorrow. Verlander and Scherzer. How about my two ex-Mets going at it? Texas getting thumped tonight. Scherzer minus 118, eight and a half. Give it to me, Kriv. Who wins that game tomorrow? Uh, give me Verlander. It seems obvious, Ken, which is something that's a little scary. And You know, you got Verlander as an underdog. One team going south, and the other team is rallying after being swept by the Yankees. I I like Verlander over Scherzer in general. Um, I, I man, it's hard to see the the Rangers coming back on a guy like Verlander to salvage a game of this series. I'd have to go that way, but that that it looks it looks a little obvious. You know what we say about it when it looks obvious. Yeah, but that's okay. I'm going to trust you with trusting your gut, and you say take Houston with the plus money total is eight and a half against Max Scherzer. The two former Mets going head to head in a playoff race in the AL West along with Seattle and probably you know two of those three maybe all three make the postseason just depends on what happens with the Toronto Blue Jays great job Kriv we'll talk to you soon thanks for keeping us up to date on what's going on in the big leagues always appreciate the great Wayne Krivsky K-R-I-V-S-K-Y he's the best in the business and he's a dookie still celebrating that win over Clemson we take a break we come back we keep things rolling lots of college football NFL going to go over the games with my producer Mark Hoke and we'll find out what he thinks about his Eagles we'll do it against the spread that's the way we do it we'll use that uh, we'll use that line there from the Westgate Superbook that's what we're going to do and we're going to go over those games SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn. we're streaming live on that Odyssey app from PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. You are listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson with producer Mark Hoke. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Something magic happens Every time you go You make the magic happen The magic of Orioles baseball When the game is close And the O's are hot there's a thundering roar from 34 to give it all they got. And you never know who's going to hear the call. Every game does a different star. That's the magic of all real Magic continues for those Baltimore Orioles as they lead right now 2-0, top four in Anaheim, but coming off taking care of business with three wins over the weekend. 
and getting up to 34 games over 500. Phenomenal job. It might be 35. I think it is 35, 86 and 51. And uh, trying to make it 86 or 87 and 51 if they can get a win behind Dean Kramer, who's been pitching real well. And going up against Reed Detmers there in Anaheim. Again, 2 nothing top four Orioles up there. Still no score, top four Toronto and Oakland. Again, this is a game that Toronto can ill afford to lose. They need to win games against these weaker teams to put pressure on Texas, who's getting pounded right now. Bottom eight, talked about it, 14-1 to Astros all over the Texas Rangers. Uh, Boston has scored in the top of the 11th. Both teams, neither team scored in the 10th. And the Red Sox lead still batting top 10 in Tampa by a score of 6-5. to five. Red Sox holding on for dear life. They know they've got to win all these games head-to-head with the Tampa Bay Rays. Seattle blew that lead 6-1. to one. Krivsky talking about it. Cincinnati comes up big three in the eighth, one in the ninth to win the game, seven to six, a big win for the Reds. Puts them in front by a half game as far as that National League wild card as they continue to play on. 10-7 Cubbies lead San Francisco Giants still batting top eight with a run in trying to get back in it. Colorado a 2-1 lead at Arizona. This is a game the Diamondbacks need to win to stay pace with those Cincinnati Reds and the Phillies and Padres no score top four. From San Diego, gave you all the other finals earlier. One game, WNBA going right now. Washington up 30-18, to 18, up 12 points. Second quarter just underway from Phoenix. New York came back and beat Dallas in that close game, 94-93. Do not cover the 6.5, but the game does get well over the 172.5. 94-93, the Liberty get past the Wings. That was the only score I had not given you. Uh, Connecticut, 90-76, beat L.A. And Chicago, no problem in Indiana, take care of business by 27 points, 96 to 69. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. And Mark, a wild weekend of college football and Penn State. I know there were several that I know that were really upset with James Franklin running it up on that last score there with six seconds to go, putting the game up and over the total. There were many that played that game under against West Virginia, and uh, they ended up getting the win and the cover. And uh, I don't think James Franklin much cared. He just uh, had his guys go in there and wanted the second team to, you know, get out there. And if they score, they score. So sometimes you think you have something figured out. There are some coaches like uh, Nick Saban that more than likely, if the game's already decided, uh, will kneel on the ball. But Franklin didn't elect to do that. And with six seconds to go, Penn State put on that last score on West Virginia. But nonetheless, your take on your Nittany Lions, you're a big Penn State fan. How did you feel they played against the Mountaineers? Pretty darn well. Uh, you know, that game was actually totally what I expected it to be. You know, around a, like a 38-15-ish, 14 kind of game. And, you know, Penn State just looked good in all aspects and a lot played great. I, I don't think you could really pick them apart too badly. I, you know, a little bit of a shaky start, but uh, otherwise... You know, look very good, and I tell you, I'd be feeling better about my quarterback situation at Penn State than I do at Ohio State right now. Yeah, no question about it. Ohio State struggling. Uh, end up winning. The defense played well, but the offense, you got all these solid receivers. That's great. I mean, one of the best receiving cores that we've seen come back in college football, but if you can't get them the ball, and again, it's early on, nonetheless, you can't get them the ball consistently, they're going to have trouble excelling. They won 23-3 to in Bloomington against Indiana, McCord started, threw for 239 and an interception, but didn't get a touchdown pass, nor did Devin Brown, who was only in there for three attempts. So McCord went the whole way. They ran the ball. They were okay running the ball, 400, 
four, a little better than four and a half yards a carry. But when you have Williams and Henderson, you'd expect some big numbers. It was actually uh, Trainum that actually had the uh, bulk of the yardage, 57 yards. And then Henderson and Williams on 19 carries, only 72 yards between them. And I say only just because you expect them to really take care of business against an Indiana defense that, you know, you're talking about three-star players compared to five-star offensive linemen there for the Buckeyes. Uh, Stover, their tight end, actually was their leading receiver receiver with 98 yards. Fleming had 58. How about Marvin Harrison Jr.? Two catches for 18 and Egbuka, three for 16. My goodness, that's a pretty solid job by Coach uh, Allen there and his Indiana Hoosiers, at least on the defensive side of the ball because the Hoosiers couldn't do much offensively. Yeah, I, I did get to see some of that game, and boy, it was, it was ugly. It really was. I was I was shocked because Indiana just is not a good team this year, and they were able to really keep Ohio State pinned down. And you know that was I really thought this Ohio State team was going to put up a ton of points. And you know it's one game, you got new guys at quarterback and so on, but that you know that's that, that's going to motivate them though. I'm I'm sure they're going to be watching a lot of film and saying. Yeah, boys, we got some work to do. We may be Buckeyes, but uh, we are not invulnerable. All right, so Alabama, they paced Middle Tennessee State, kind of what we thought, somewhere in the neighborhood of 56-7, to which was the final. I mean, you expect Bama to take care of business in that opener. They're going to take on Texas, and we know Ewers is a pretty solid quarterback. Uh, Three for three touchdowns against Rice, 37-10. to They get the win there. What's your feeling on Texas, who got beat at home last year, Late game, late field goal. Uh, Bryce Young making a, a ridiculously fine play, to say the least, uh, off a hit uh, that he kind of took the brunt of and then sidestepped and, and was able to run and get a key first down to keep a drive alive. Uh, what's your take on Texas going into Bama? Seven-point spread, Alabama favored over Texas. We know Sarkeesian knows all about Nick Saban and vice versa, and we know the success Saban has had over his former assistants, a 28-2 overall. But Sarkeesian's got a squad, and I think this Texas team's pretty darn good. What's your take going into Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I still like Alabama. Might be too many points, though. I think this game's going to be pretty tight, but I still, until Texas gets it done in a big situation, I'm not going to... You know, ride that pony. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm, I'll stay with Alabama on this one. There you go. Meanwhile, Brad Powers and myself, we bucked heads on a couple games. Uh, he got me on North Carolina over South Carolina. Game was close early, but North Carolina pulled away and they were all over Spencer Rattler, sacked six times and didn't look good. But I did tell him that USC would bury Nevada and they did so. The Wolfpack had no answer for USC and SC. Covered that 38-point spread. So we'll go back at it. Uh, I'm sure he'll be on Bama. He always will go with uh, – I do know that he did like Clemson, and KT did like uh, the Dukies plus the points. I did not expect Duke to win the game, but I thought they could keep it close, and uh, they'd end up winning that game coming up with the Labor Day victory, and that is a huge one for Coach Mike Elko as they move forward. But Brad Powers, very, very solid, and he does a great job as far as going into the season. I feel as the season gets rolling – I can hold my own with just about anybody college football. So we'll see how things pan out. We've got a bunch of games going. And uh, I did have Fresno State, which was good. I know Brad was on that as well. Uh, that game went back and forth. And my good pal, producer, uh, or I should say uh, the, the main guy over there, Panache Boy on Ravaputi, the senior partner, Brian Panache, that's his alma mater. And he was happy as we were texting back and forth. And Mikey Keene came up with a big late play to give Fresno State a 39-35 win 
over Purdue in West Lafayette. I was impressed with Northern Illinois. They squandered a lead late and let Boston College tie the game, but Northern Illinois ends up winning it in overtime, 27-24. That's uh, not a good loss there uh, for Halfley and Boston College. They have their offensive line intact, which is pretty good, one of the best in the country. But Northern Illinois, a nice win there for the Mid-American Conference, Mark. Yeah, boy, you can't hear Boston College. You can't lose that game. I mean, this is that is going to not bode well for them. But, you know, Ken, we've seen it before where sometimes a team will blow a game like that early in the season and, you know, they'll realize they've got work to do and step up and play better, but... Oh, boy, this could be a really long season for the Eagles. How about a Cal effort? Justin Wilcox and company, they were in a nip-and-tuck game with North Texas on the road, and then all of a sudden, the dam just broke open. In the second half, Cal outscored North Texas 25 nothing. They win the game 58-21. to Jay Knott, their running back, 188 yards on 20 carries, two touchdowns. Afonsi had 10 carries, 54 yards, and three more touchdowns. Cal had six rushing touchdowns. They rushed the ball 56 times for 357 yards. That looks like, you know, Army going against an FCS school. I mean, unbelievable 357 yards, 6.4 yards per carry, and Cal. I, I can't tell you. I don't care against what level of competition. I can't tell you the last time Cal scored 58 points. Well, that that may be the key to Cal winning games this season because you know there there are so many terrific quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year that you know the team if a team can run the ball with the new clock rules, slow things down a little bit. You know, maybe they found a formula. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put them among the favorites, but they kind of got to be sitting back and saying, hmm, maybe we found something here. And you now see the difference between a power five, the typical power, power five team and a group of five team. You know, the, the boys up front get it done. So nice win for Cal. No doubt about it. Meanwhile, Washington took them a little bit to get going. They trailed 6 nothing to Boise State after the first quarter, put up a 28 spot in the second quarter, led a 28-12 over the Broncos at half, and then they closed strong with a vengeance after both teams scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Washington shut them out in the fourth quarter, 21 nothing in Seattle. Michael Penix Jr. and company 56, Boise State 19 Wow, that's impressive. Halani had 51 yards on the ground there for Boise, but Penix Jr., 450 yards passing, five touchdowns. My goodness, Adunzi had uh, seven receptions, 132 and a touchdown. This Washington offense, one to be reckoned with, and uh, they're a team that you know can definitely win this conference. There's no question about it. Yes, they do have to go to Southern Cal, but this Washington team is loaded offensively. Yeah, and USC better have their big boy pants on on the defensive side of the ball when those two teams play because – now, everybody's on the USC train, but that Washington team looked really good. I was I was watching a lot of that game, and I was just stunned they blew Boise State out like that. They're, they are a top-10 team, and the USC's going to have their hands full, as well as the, the rest of the Pac-12 with the Washington Huskies. No doubt. Meanwhile, Jill Milton III had a big game for Tennessee. Didn't play the whole game, but they rolled over Virginia 49-13 in Knoxville. Notre Dame, FCS opponent, Tennessee State, no problem in South Bend, 56-3. Hartman uh, on cruise control. Estime, the running back, outstanding game, 116 and a touchdown on just 13 carries. Oregon, also an FCS opponent, but one that knows them pretty well. Portland State, the Vikings, and they've played before, and the games have been much closer than this one. How about 50 
to seven at half. The final score, 81 to seven. Oregon. Bo Nix threw for 287 and three touchdowns. Irving on the ground at 119 and two. The Ducks are loaded offensively as well. Kansas State, number 16 in the country, 45 nothing over Southeast Missouri, who's not a bad team FCS-wise. Talked about Colorado, 45-42, beating TCU. Uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, the era has begun. and We'll watch them take on Nebraska in their home opener. Should be a uh, festive sight coming up on Saturday. Wisconsin over Buffalo in what was a very close game at halftime, 14-10 to at Madison. Coach Luke Fickle, his debut there for the Badgers. They win at 38 to 17. Oklahoma, boy, what a tough day for Butch Jones. I talked about this guy regressing as a head coach, somebody we thought was going to be an upper echelon coach when he came on the scene, but 73 to nothing. Venables takes care of business at home in Norman over Arkansas State. Could be a very long year for the Red Wolves. We'll see what Dylan Gabriel and this Oklahoma team can do. I think they'll battle that Texas team for the Big 12. Uh, talked about North Carolina, 31 17 over South Carolina. A&M rolls over New Mexico big time, 52-10. to Tulane, very impressive over South Alabama, 37-17. A lot of short people I know like the Jaguars of South Alabama. Utah State, they were game to hang in there with Iowa. They covered the spread nicely against the Hawkeyes, 24-14. They lose. Kentucky crushed Ball State, 44-14, a win and a cover for Mark Stoops' team. Uh, SMU, they pounded Louisiana Tech, get the win in the cover. I knew this Louisiana Tech team was in trouble when I watched their game that they were fortunate to win in their opener at home. Move on down. Uh, Air Force 42-7 to over Robert Morris. Uh, just kind of went through the motions, running the ball down the throat of the FCS club. Temple had to battle back and win by three at home. Shut out Akron 14 nothing in the second half, 24-21 the final there. Good debut there for Freeze and Auburn. They crushed Massachusetts 59-14, to a win and a cover there. Western Kentucky, Austin Reed threw for a couple touchdowns. He led the nation in passing last year. They beat South Florida 41-24. to Meanwhile, we talked about Cal's win, UNLV 44-14. They beat Bryant, Florida Atlantic over Monmouth 42-10. to Uh Cruising on down, let's see, Washington State, very impressive. Went into Fort Collins, and they just buried Colorado State. Nice job by Cam Ward, the transfer from Incarnate Word. And Washington State is taking on Wisconsin. They beat them last year in Madison. Mark Hoke, I think they're going to beat them again in Pullman. What's your take on that game? Seven-point spread to start out, six-and-a-half last I saw, down to six in a couple places Wisconsin to get revenge after losing at Cam Randall last year to Washington State 17-14. I think the uh, the boys from the Palouse going to get it done again. Um, man, that game's kind of dead even to me. I it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with with Fickle and the the new you know system that he's bringing in. But uh, man, I tell you, I just yeah, man, I I wouldn't touch that game, Ken. I really wouldn't. That that game's going to be close. All right, well, we'll come back. We'll go over the NFL games. We'll wrap things up here on a Fat Tuesday. Illinois was able to get that win against Toledo, 30-28. to Very exciting game. And then Texas Tech, they lose in Laramie at Wyoming, 35-33 overtime game. What a game by Craig Bull. Former North Dakota State Bison head honcho had his boys ready, and they played a stellar game in Laramie. That was fun to watch. Final segment, SportsX Radio coming at you, 101.5 FMK Dawn. We're streaming live on the Odyssey app. It is Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. We'll wrap it up when we come back, live from Vegas.
yeah, a little Black Label Society, a little BLS, my brother-in-law Zach Wild on lead guitar and vocals, all that good stuff. And, of course, right now touring with Pantera, the reunion. And uh, Zach and uh, some others from other bands doing a nice job there. Tribute to Dimebag, Daryl, and, of course, Vinnie Paul. And uh, love those guys and miss them. But uh, Zach doing a good, solid job. They were here in Phoenix. That second concert has been rescheduled for next Saturday. And Pantera, not part of that, but that's a Metallica show that will be made up as uh, the lead singer came down with COVID. And so starting to see that pop up around the country as well. Uh, North Dakota State took care of business in their FCS game. Want to make sure that we get that out there so that <laughs> producer Mark Hoke knows that we didn't uh, omit his bison when we're talking college football. Uh, we expected them to take care of business. South, South Dakota State as well. And South Dakota State has the big one coming up FCS-wise this week as Montana State oh, comes to call. And that's going to be that one heck a of a game. huge game. Loser, that's going to go to three, and they may not get back up. That's going yeah. to be that's going to be a heck of a football game. So if I, I don't know if it's on televised anywhere or not, but if it is, watch it. There you go. We will check it out. Meanwhile, as far as on the hardwood, well, I shouldn't say hardwood, the hard surface, the hard court. Uh, ben Shelton won that first set against number ten Francis Tiafo. Tiafo comes back, wins the second set, six three. So they're a set apiece on ESPN. That is the last of the uh, tennis today, tomorrow, as far as U.S. Open. Number one seed, Alcaraz, will go against uh, Zverev. That should be a good one. Zverev, the 12th seed, and uh, that will start tomorrow night at 5.30 when we're on the air. Medvedev and Rublev will be earlier in the day, the three versus the eight. It is uh, Kinwen there for China going against Sabalenka. Sabalenka will be the new world number one with Swiatek losing uh, the other day there from Poland. And Vondrusova will take on Madison Keys. Madison Keys, very impressive in her straight-set victory over Jessica Pagula. Let's jump over real quick and uh, get in that last college football score from Sunday, and that was LSU-Florida State. Look, that final score, 45-24, but, Mark, that game was much closer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. Yeah, that was a game that could have gone either way, but got to give credit to Florida State. They were able to make the plays down the stretch. They were a little sloppy themselves turning the ball over, uh, but Jordan Travis, no doubt for Coach Norvell, yeah. very, very solid. Yeah, and the thing about that game, you know, LSU got exposed. You know, we they you know they, they got to the SEC title game last year, and, you know, it kind of I, – I don't, I don't want to diss them for what they did, but you kind of knew that that wasn't – the the best team even in the division, but they managed to get a big win. But they were not ready for prime time. I, I was watching that game, and just Florida State looked amazing. Boy, the ECC is going to be fun now, isn't it? With the Duke getting a big win, and Florida State now's got one that's going to probably keep them in the top five for a while. Yeah, and we'll see when they play Clemson. Uh, that'll be interesting because that game is at. Death Valley. So we'll see how that one all pans out. But a lot of folks liking Florida State. Look, they made some mistakes. They got away with some stuff as well. Uh, but they were solid enough to come away and pull away from LSU down the stretch. NFL starts on Thursday. Again, could be no Kelsey, should be no Chris Jones on defense. Right now, the Chiefs down to minus five, was seven, minus five. Your take on that one, Mark Hoke? Uh, the Chiefs are still good enough to win that game, even if Kelsey doesn't play. But this is going to be a fun test. You know, I, I'm really high on the Lions. And this is going to be the, a game that they can make a statement. And even if they lose it, but they keep it tight. Uh, you know, this is a, you know, going on the road, taking the Chiefs, man. That's going to be a huge one for them. 
God forbid if they win it. Oh, boy. Detroit's going to – I don't know what's going to happen to Detroit, but there's going to be a lot of hot blue, blue flying around. All right, so we'll dump in a, a couple more. we got about four minutes here. What's your take on the Ravens at home against the Texans? C.J. Stroud looking to make his debut, and now that Lamar Jackson under contract – Let's face it, this Ravens team looks pretty solid. We know they're always good defensively, but offensively with Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, they've got weapons, no doubt. If Edwards and Dobbins stay healthy, this will be a nice offense and uh, offensive line pretty solid as well. Yeah, but that team's going to be young. I, they'll, there's, they're going to have flashes, but I don't think they're going to have it against the Ravens. So I, I'd like it's 10 points. I'm good. What about the Battle of Ohio with the Bengals at the Browns? Bengals right now two-and-a-half-point favorites, 47-and-a-half. It's trending towards Joe Burrow playing in this game. Didn't know with the calf injury if he'd be able to go, but looking like he may be able to start this one. If he does, do you like Cincinnati or do you go with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? I'm going with Cincy. Come on, man. I've been riding that bandwagon for three years now. I'm, I'm not jumping off. There you go. I'm a yeah. I'm an anti Deshaun Watson guy, but that's that's KT. I'm rooting for Cincinnati as well. Buccaneers and Vikings. Vikings at home minus six. Kirk Cousins and company. Should they take care of the Buccaneers now? No Tom Brady. <sighs> they should, but who knows what's going to happen with this team? I mean that that Vikings team was so lucky last year. They're going to come back to reality, and I think they're they're a you know a nine win team maybe. I would say they should win this game. But, you know, the Bucks still have pretty good defense, and it'll be fun to see what Baker Mayfield can do. So we'll find out. How about the Derek Carr era starting in New Orleans? They're minus three and minus 120 at the Westgate Superbook. Total 41 against Derek Henry and the Tennessee Titans. You know, Tennessee's going to be an interesting team this year. I think they made some good moves and got themselves, I mean, I, I don't think contender-wise, but they're going to be okay. I mean, this is going to be, uh, eh, I mean, I still think, I still think the Saints are going to beat them, but it's going to be a better game than I think people think it's going to be. Steelers, Niners, Steelers at home, oh. Niners minus two and a half, 41, but no Nick Bosa. If Nick Bosa doesn't play, he's somebody that can, you know, sign by tomorrow and be ready for Sunday. But end of the day, if he doesn't go, I'm going with TJ Watt and the Steelers to win that game outright. Wow. Um, this is going to be interesting to see what happens with Brock Purdy. You know, did they get enough film on him? Have they studied him? And, you know, I have a feeling that teams are going to catch up with him. I really do. Uh, but I still think San Francisco is the second best team in the NFC. So um, I'll stay with the Niners, but this game's going to be pretty good. All right. Packers at Bears. Bears favored one, total of 43. Jordan Lovira starts, and we know Justin Fields pretty good, especially in the cold weather, but it won't be that cold for this one. What's your take here? I'm taking the pack, man. I, until the Bears show me something, now nah, I'm, I'm I'll take Green Bay in this one. Chargers minus three, total of fifty-one. Tua against Herbert should be a fun one out in L.A. Yeah, this is this is a critical game beginning of the season too because I have a feeling there's going to be a tiebreaker with these guys. Um, I'm leaning. Um, uh, if it's you know what, I'm going to take Miami. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. There you go. There you go. Ride you got. It. I got you on. Got you on record. Ride the fish. I, I know you got the Eagles over the Patriots minus three and a half. By two million. 
Cowboys and Giants Sunday night football. The Cowboys favored by three and the Bills and Jets Monday night. We'll get to that tomorrow with producer Mark Hoke. Should be a fun time at Steiner's. Come join me. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM K Dawn. We stream live on the Odyssey app. Talk to you tomorrow night, folks. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody.